The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. Welcome to another Fan Film Fridays. I'm your host, Clinton Robison. If you weren't aware, and why wouldn't you be, this is the show where I take a look at an online fan film and share it with you, the outside world. Why do I call it the outside world? Well, because quite frankly, I am still stuck in the LBC basement, of course. Sheesh. What month is it now, anyway? Feels like November. Could be February, for all I know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The lights are white. Okay, no, no, no. It's not a blackout. The lights are just flickering. (sighs) You'd think Jared's yard sale fines would help pay the electric bill or something, though. Hey, hey, who's down here? I am vengeance. I am the night. I am totally lost. How'd I end up in the basement? Oh, uh, hey, Laurel. Uh, You must have taken a wrong turn when the lights went out. Uh, I guess it happens. Or at least... That's the excuse Mary Jane uses. Well, I am looking for Jared and Jason, because they keep saying I am the official statistician for action film face-off, and I'm here to put them straight, hence the vengeance. I have the cease and desist order all ready. Now, how do I get out of here and find them? Uh, You're asking me how to get out? Ah, good point. Besides, I think they are, you know, going to learn how to throw hands at 221B this week. Or maybe they're testifying at Pat's trial on Planet Mongo or something. Something about export laws, I don't know. You'd be amazed how many frequent flyer miles they rack up. You mean I came all this way for nothing? Well, there's always my show. Well, if I'm not going to get out of here anytime soon anyway. Great! Uh, How familiar are you with fan films? Honestly, not very. I started listening to your show and it's about the first time I started looking at fan films. Okay, well, what about Batman? Well, now, him, of course, I'm more familiar with. Um, Just in case your audience needs to know, I have a live-action appearance, according to Wikipedia, I can go through for you. Okay. Batman was created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger and debuted in Detective Comics number 27 in 1939. The character starred in a 15-part movie serial in 1943, simply entitled Batman. After guest appearances on The Adventures of Superman, a second serial, Batman and Robin, was created in 1949. Batman wasn't seen again in live action until the 1966 Batman television show starring Adam West. With its camp sense of humor, the show became a pop culture phenomenon and led to the cast starring in a Batman film. The next movie entitled Batman wasn't made until 1989. Directed by Tim Burton and starring Michael Keaton, the film was a huge success, leading to Burton and Keaton making a sequel, Batman Returns, in 1992, before Joel Schumacher took over as director for 1995's Batman Forever starring Val Kilmer and 1997's Batman and Robin starring George Clooney. The film franchise was rebooted in 2005 with Batman Begins, directed by Christopher Nolan and starring Christian Bale. Its sequel, The Dark Knight, debuted in 2008 and went on to be the second highest domestic grossing film of the time, behind Titanic. The final film in the series, The Dark Knight Rises, came out in 2012. In 2016, Ben Affleck began playing Batman on screen in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and in the follow-up in 2017's Justice League. Partway through the completion of Justice League, Zack Snyder was replaced as director by Josh Whedon. Recently, however, Zack Snyder was given the green light to complete his own version of the Justice League film, which is currently in production. 
after a guest appearance scenes in Suicide Squad movie and in television shows like Titans and Gotham, the next big Batman on-screen reboot was begun in 2019 with the casting of Robert Pattinson in the title role. The movie was originally scheduled for 2021 release, but with the ongoing pandemic, yeah, exact release not yet solidified. Alrighty, well, that's good, and I'm glad you mentioned the serials, because, uh, you know, the guys over on Saturday Matinee Theater are going to be making their way over to Gotham and looking at those, I do believe. My understanding from, again, love Wikipedia, they um, are actually, Batman is a government-backed agent, because they couldn't let a vigilante get through the censorship. thought that was interesting. <laughs> And they're well-known, unfortunately, for their anti-Japanese sentiments, because that was the World War II backing, you know, at the time. Yeah, different times, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, it made for a really different show, I'm sure. Well, today we're going to be looking at a slightly different live-action Batman. We'll check out Batman City of Scars. The film was released way back in July of 2010, which feels like about, you know, 700 years ago at this point. It was distributed by Bat and the Sun Films, who are also known for releasing Superhero Beatdown, which pits various characters against each other in a battle to the death. So, that's some kind of fun stuff to check out if you're not digging this Batman. But why wouldn't you? So, you know, they're used to dealing with pop culture characters. City of Scars was written and directed by Alan Shonka, produced by Aaron and Sean Shonka. And if I'm saying that wrong, then that's probably a very likely thing, because I am terrible with these names. Yeah, it might be Shonky. Shonky. That's my guess. Who knows? He has his own personal, uh, Aaron does, he has his own personal YouTube channel as well, and I know I've heard him say it, and I just can't say it the same way. <laughs> The bane of all podcasters, we don't know how to pronounce the names. <sighs> well, they made the film for an estimated $27,000, you know, thank you crowdfunding. For reference, that's about two and a half times as much as Batman Dead End that we covered way back on episode one. But this is also about three times longer with a much bigger cast. And speaking of cast, it stars Kevin Porter as Batman, Paul Molnar as the Joker, Christopher Parker as Detective Christmas Allen, Guy Grundy as Victor Zaz, and if that is not a comic book name, I'd have never heard one before, Katie Joy Horwich as Renee Montoya, Jay Caputo as Arnold Wesker slash Scarface, Madeline Ray as Harleen Quinzel, a.k.a. Harley Quinn. And Tess Keelhammer as Black Canary. And we're going to get into that one later, folks. This film has racked up a little over 4 million views on YouTube, which is, you know, none too shabby. But apparently it only has 671,500 on Daily Motion. You know, either way, both are less than expected for something over 10 years old. It has a runtime of 30 minutes, so you might need to set aside a little time for this. But since Laurel and I are getting ready to spoil and discuss every little bit, I highly suggest you sit back and watch this film beforehand. Besides, it's always more fun when everybody's on the same page. So, let's take a small trip of our own down to Gotham City. You know, relatively speaking. And when we come back, we'll discuss Batman City of Scars. Footprints into the West End sewer caverns. 
this is why I'm here. His path of destruction has already begun. Putting Arkham Nurse, 23-year-old Rebecca White, in the hospital. She had only been working at the asylum for two weeks. Joker's words. The zebra has escaped from the zoo to feast on the blood of the lion. Okay, everybody back? Good. The film opens with the Joker escaping from Arkham Asylum, spraying Joker venom in a nurse's face as he runs away and, you know, it basically puts her in intensive care. Upon arriving in Gotham City, he kidnaps Councilman Johnson and his son shortly after brutally murdering murdering the councilman's wife. Determined not to let his archenemy kill anyone else, Batman hunts him through the city. After Councilman Johnson is found dead while his son remains in the Joker's captivity, Batman questions whether his crusade against evil does more bad than good. Batman treks the Joker to a carnival where he thwarts the villain's plot of bombing a Ferris wheel. Following a tracker signal, he races to the location of the Joker and the councilman's son. But when the young boy kills the Joker with his own gun, Batman debates if his greatest nemesis's death is a step toward Gotham's peace, or rather a sign that things are getting worse. And that is essentially Batman City of Scars. Laurel, I've been talking for a long time, and people are probably tired of hearing. So, what did you think of this film? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved this film. Um, I I don't even know where to start, because it was just so well done. Um, my background was in television video production, so I it was years ago, but I just know just enough to know how hard this thing must have been to make. I know equipment has changed over the years, but really, they put some work into this thing. How about yourself? What would you think? Uh, I find it to be a, a really good Batman film. The plot is great. It's straight out of the comics. It, I mean, more or less. Not not saying they ripped off an issue, but uh, like I could see it as being a, a Batman story that goes across you know three or four issues. You know, I think I've read one where um, it was the child left from having the parents get murdered. So I know that is sort of a Batman trigger that they've used in the the books before. See, I was going to ask you about that because it seems kind of familiar. Like, was was there an episode of um, Batman the Animated Series that was kind of like this? I mean, not clearly not as violent, but it, it seemed... Yeah, you know, yeah, didn't it seem vaguely familiar? Yeah, I mean, it really seems like there's something similar to it you know if anybody knows please write in let us know so we're not just you know kept up at night wondering about this somebody's probably screaming at their podcast thing now (laughs) well this uh film was definitely had uh technical and story complexity i mean it is really interesting um i think the key to a good batman uh, film, especially you know these fan films that we've seen a couple of now, is you've got to have a good actor. Um, they got to be you know in good shape, have the voice. In this particular one, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the name right in front of me, um, but he has definitely got the voice down. Um, not just the Batman voice, but the inner monologue voice, which was mm-hmm. good. Um, and then he has to try to act with his eyes. They do a lot of close-ups on that, and you have to figure out what's going on because, obviously, the cow doesn't move. It's got to be all in his eyes. I thought he did a really great job of that. And I don't know about you, but I think he fit the suit pretty well. The the suit has got sort of the tights with the trunks, which I'm not always the biggest fan of. But considering the budget you're on, making that cow and cape combination, that makes up for the, what the other parts might lack. Because I even really like the utility belt. It looked like an actual something you could stick stuff in as opposed to just being something people are wearing as a costume. How about you? Did you like the new Batman symbol? I really liked it. The The costuming was really well done. Like, I can believe that as a Batman suit. 
I can. I really like the Joker's. Uh, like, like everything mm-hmm. they had the Joker mm-hmm. in. The Joker goes through so many costume changes in this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I liked he had the hat at mm-hmm. the end. He has this hat. Um, they had him in the the costume mask. Even I mean the the attention to detail in this thing was wonderful. Yeah. Now the the Batman performance was great. Uh, the oh the ventriloquist performance was beautiful. Have you ever seen one of the, the ventriloquist uh, Scarface in live action before? Because I don't think I have. I, other than just like fan stuff, no. Yeah, because that was creepy as all get out. Whoever modeled that puppet, or I mean, ugh, that thing was scary. Right? Yeah, it didn't have like the the almost comical aesthetic as what is shown in Batman the animated series. That thing was. Like, you could tell somebody really went to town on a dummy to make Scarface for this. Yeah, it almost looks like maybe molded clay or something that got then fired, mm-hmm. you know, in a kiln to make it. It's it just, ugh, that thing was wild. But I do like that Batman threatens to behead it with the paper cutter. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah. It, well, then the, the ventriloquist will talk then, you know. <laughs> yeah, and some people might argue that, like, that's, you know, over the line for Batman, that it would be, you know, go against killing or something. But it's like, to Batman, that's, he knows it's just a doll and that it, it would get repaired or replaced. Mm-hmm. After all, in the comics. Mm-hmm, definitely. You know, in the comics, we had Mr. Socko for a while. I was not as thrilled with the, um, I liked Victor Zuss, I have to say. They did a really good job because they had, Batman had scars mm-hmm. on him. It's is an older Batman. Um, but they, and they, of course, did scars on him. But they didn't really explain who he was very well at the beginning. So that if somebody was new and don't know that character, they would know that's who he was battling in that big scene in the, uh, I guess it's a strip club. Yeah. Speaking of that scene, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and hit that now. Did you have any inclination at all that was supposed to be Black Canary? Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) When she was behind the bar, I think part of it is because the Birds of Prey movie came out. And the performance in that, they had that, the way the hair was, the way the the body language um, behind, when she was serving behind the bar. I had this feeling that, hmm, is that who this is supposed to be? And then when she kicked the guy, she did this, um, that was her fighting style was kicks. And I thought, you know, maybe this is supposed to be her. When she hit the floor, however, and she didn't immediately just climb back up, I thought, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's, you know, supposed to be somebody else that's just taking care of people. The second time through, I realized she's wearing fishnets. And you just couldn't see them until that particular moment. And I think they wanted to make it dramatic, as in she hit the floor, and then you see Batman's feet come in and then stop. And she's, like, looking up and looking up and looking up some more, and you get that drama of that shot so i think that's how they were using that see i i mean i kind of clued in on it with the fishnets and the bustier and all that but it was it feels a little forced really it felt forced yeah it seems like why are we including black canary she gets no lines she has no sonic scream she's obviously you know here for a little bit of eye candy well she was trying to defend the other waitress that was sort of her role she was Taking care of people um, at the bar, and I loved how she was giving money and stuff. <laughs> you know, that's that's her line, <clears throat> eight fifty or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's her line. But she does go over, and when she pushes the one guy off, and she says, "You know, come on to the girl to protect her." And I thought maybe this is like you know that Black Canary series where she had the band that she was protecting. Now, granted, that came out after this movie was made, but it just made me think. Well, maybe that's um, how they're doing the Black Canary in this because she was trying to protect the waitress. I mean, my my real thought on like why they would have included her is this might be drawing influences from All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, where for whatever reason Black Canary operates in Gotham and is the somewhat love interest for Batman in that book. If if you haven't read it, people don't. Yeah, know. no, I've not read it. It's something that was definitely written. Oh, I heard it was pretty bad. I can tolerate a lot of things. I made it four issues and just refused to go back. <laughs> well, I didn't mind that they tried to use Black Canary. I, I really didn't because it was nice to see um, somebody else that could put up a fight because otherwise it's all men. That's true. That is very true because, um, wow. I mean, where where else are any women in this other than, let's see, the kid's mom is dead, the nurse. Well, Montoya. Yeah. 
Who I didn't know that was Renee Montoya as the mm-hmm. cop. Did you? Did you I catch that? I kind of guessed it was supposed to be Montoya, but I wasn't sure which. Did you take that as like a true representation of Montoya or not? No. No, I felt like they just took the name. It's the same thing. I thought the um, the gentleman who was her partner was going to be um, Harvey. Yeah, see, I really liked that they incru- included Crispus because I, I just really like him as a character. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't click who that was right, at first it, until I saw the credits. And I was like, oh, is that who those two are supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, if you're not reading the comics, especially around that time, or, well, not even at that time because... By that point, Crispus had already become the Spectre, and yeah, long... Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, <laughs> I didn't like that very much either. Um, but yeah, the women in this, you would have had her as the female cop, the mother. Oh gosh, the blood in that scene was just... Mm, yeah. Oh my God, that that must have been something to set that up. Um, and then the scantily clad women, which I would love to know, how did they make that scene? <laughs> Where do you find these people to do this? Yeah, do you just advertise, hey, we need 6 to 12 people that are willing to not wear much clothing? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was just something. And then um, you got a lot of men in there. And I think some of it is they, the way they shot it made it look like there's more people because they were using... Oh, God, the lighting in this thing was so gorgeous. But they're using the lights that would sort of go from red to blue mm-hmm. and back. And I think some of that, um, they had some of it was the unsteady camera, different angles, some quick jump shots, the uh, jump edits. That's what they were doing to make that fit together. So I'm wondering if some of those people were just shaded enough that you didn't know that there were some people in there that were the same as other people, if you get what I mean. Yeah, reusing extras and... Mm-hmm. And then the fight itself, now, that was impressive. Um, the, the way they shot that thing, because you don't have the, the big high budget, you can't do some of the effects that you might get in another movie. So they compensated with the lighting, the camera, the angles, um, that kind of a thing. Sound effects, mm-hmm. uh, the way the music would, would come up. They used those in good stead, and it made it work. Oh, yeah. Every little bit of that just flowed together so well. Um, gosh, I mean, the choreography that they had to have gone through, because I'm sure that, you know, that Batman suit probably didn't have a whole lot of give, but it, it looks like you can move pretty freely in it the way he, he does the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's made me wonder about the costuming when you were talking earlier, because I think they used the, the budget as far as Batman's outfit in those key pieces and let the more the tights sort of look as opposed to that like woven, you know how like um, Captain America has that like woven stuff in between the panels of Mm -hmm. his shirt Um, that lets you have more freedom of movement. It gives you some protection. I can't imagine that stuff is cheap. So if you had to have somebody mold a mask to fit your actor, I have a feeling that's where your budget went. And for me, that's good enough. Cause like I said, the, the Cape with the Cape and the boots and the, it worked. He was able to pull that off. The only time I thought it was awkward, um, the beginning when he goes to talk to Harley Quinn and he's like in front of the guard and I thought, okay, that was a little awkward. But other than that, I mean, he was just intimidating. Speaking of Harley, that was like an interesting choice of how to portray Harley. I loved that it was something new. Right. It's it's It goes back to the, you know, I'm in love with the Joker trope, but it was clearly obvious she was so far gone mentally. Yeah, yeah, the constant, the, the, the laughing in between things and the, the way, the hair was a little weird because I thought there's no way anybody would let somebody have hair like that in a medical facility. But it works. And I like that she did her own way of doing it. And I believed her, which is mm-hmm. the most important thing. I believed she was crazy. I believed that she loved him. I believed that scream at the end when she finds out he's dead. My only thing about her whole performance is you know they've got her in the straight jacket and chained to either side of the room how does she go to the bathroom i would assume they'd have to come around <laughs> <laughs> let her out for a little while i don't know never thought i mean of it. That, that's just my thought so, yeah it doesn't seem too accurate does it no but then again you know we're talking about a show where a guy dresses up like a bat and fights crime well, that was another female character. I was trying to think where else we had female characters, and there's one more there. Um, and they're just not not well. Not well at all. How did you like, um, there were other effects that they used. They must have had either dry ice or a smoke machine or something, because they used that at mm-hmm. certain points. 
the, the locations they find to shoot this thing, I, that that must have been something to secure that and have to worry about if they had to worry about insurance with this Ferris wheel with the fireworks. And I thought, oh, my God, this is a that must have been something to coordinate. But um, at the beginning, they had the tunnel with the water and they had this the, the scene there. And then at the end with the gargoyles. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know if they made the gargoyles or if they were already <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, like did they actually pick a rooftop to film on or did they just like get some some good old spirit Halloween decorations on the cheap or yeah yeah and like they looked real you know they were they were not humongous they were but they mm-hmm. looked real and then the other thing I noticed I would love to know how they got him in the rain like that the end with mm-hmm. the gargoyles and the rain is dripping off of them because are they shooting in the rain are they using yeah. uh, hose because that was just impressive but electrical equipment out in the rain yeah not a good thing (laughs) so how did they do that yeah i mean like as far as the the locations and stuff it's you know it's doable to uh, get permits to film like in a back alley or you know block off a street for a couple hours but man i imagine jumping through all the hoops to get the carnival Mm -hmm, mm-hmm i did like it though um we have another crowd there that could have been family and friends mm-hmm. because we needed just families and kids and stuff to include in that one. But um, what I also noticed is some of the camera work from when they got on the Ferris wheel. I'm not sure if they were shooting it from the car beneath looking up or somehow else. There was some really nice oh, camera yeah. work there. And then the spinning around when Batman's like ready to kill the Joker, he started choking him out and the crowd's sort of standing there and they're all shouting, fight, fight, fight. And he's got to sort of make that decision. Am I really going to kill him right here and now in front of all these people? See, when they start shouting fight, it kind of takes me out of it because it feels like middle school. But <laughs> I mean, I get the sentiment they're trying to express and it's kind of like, well, what are, are they supposed to just have angry mob voices where you can't hear anything? Or would you rather they go with, you know, fight, fight, fight? Yeah, because, um, I mean, they did have crowd noise going on. But um, I feel like if this is an older Batman, he's been around. People know he exists because that's something Montoya said. I, I wrote down, I paraphrased it a little bit um, because it's one of the keys to the film. As she said, uh, there were monsters, basically, their, their city was dirty, Gotham. They gave power to a force greater than the law so it could be stopped. And that greater force hasn't done it. And she's tired of Batman's conscience. I wonder if that's what was running through some of these people. They really thought this time it was going to end. That's a good way to approach it. I hadn't really thought about that. A lot of times I just think of the the crowd as, you know, the crowd. That's that's really neat. Yeah, well, it's a Gotham Mm -hmm. crowd. So, you know, it's a little bit different. What did you think of the Joker in general? Did you feel like it was a little too much on the animated series side, or do you think it was independent enough? Oh, see, I keep, I, I try and try to not really compare him to other people because you know it gets kind of hard, especially with the Joker. You know, he's been performed by so many people. I will say he's not my favorite Joker by far. Probably not even my favorite fan film Joker. But after the first few times that you really hear him talk, he kind of grows on you. I Mm -hmm. really, really love the fact that, like, the first, you know, four or five scenes that he's in, you do not see him from the nose up. You, You never see his whole face at once until, gosh, it's probably that... Probably in the alley, or right after that. Really, I didn't think of that. I have to, have to watch this you thing know, again, he, and after we're done, yeah, and see. Yeah, that's it's interesting. When he kills the councilman, or the scene after that, like at the carnival, because it, it takes a while. When he did the congressman thing, yeah. Uh, just as a side, did you? I didn't like that they made it look like he was peeing yeah. on the guy, and then you find out from the other direction it's the boutonniere. I, I didn't mean, like I like that. that it's the boutonniere, but yeah, the. The look like he's peeing on him was a little childish. Well, and it's Senator or whatever Johnson was mm-hmm. the name. Yeah, it's like. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, but um, nah. yeah, we get the joke. Yeah. It's not funny. <laughs> what they did do, what they did do wonderfully on the Joker is the detail. His fingernails when he's doing oh, the bomb at yes. the beginning, they're not just dark. They've got stuff on them like they're fungus mm-hmm. or something. I mean, they're just 
ugh, disgusting. And then we see him, how he rolls up the, the bang thing into the gun and then loads the other bullets into the mm-hmm. other slots so it can fire again. And you just get all that. Um, they had the contacts in, so you, you got the eyes being strange. Um, the makeup sometimes did look like makeup, right. mm-hmm. I have to say. It didn't look like skin color. But I sort of put that aside as, you know, that could be his fetish. It doesn't have to be that he's really dyed that color. Yeah, we've seen Jokers that are dyed the color. We've seen Jokers that just put on makeup. We've seen Jokers that sloppily put on makeup. (laughs) Okay, I have to ask because Mm -hmm. it weirds me out just because I, I can't do it. When he bites into the bomb pop... (laughs) <laughs> like, am I the only one that just, like, that's like nails on a chalkboard to me for other people, you know? Is yeah, it really? I can't no, bite I, into. I didn't mind yeah, it that I much. I cannot bite yeah. into frozen stuff like that. <laughs> when he just he just bites into it. I wouldn't want to, but, you know, I could yeah. if I had to, I but guess. I mean, he just bites into it, and he doesn't have any visible flinching at all. Like Maybe it was, like, half unfrozen already or something. something but, I mean, like, he... The dude held his face together for sure. Okay, so yeah, you'd have to be able to see his whole face in the ice ice cream truck. Oh, question yes. for you: Did you understand the whole the zebra escaped lion thing? The only thing I could really get of it is that one of the Joker cards has a zebra on it at one point. Otherwise, no. I just took it to be like somebody's rand- rambly Joker gibberish. Yeah, yeah, because when he was doing that biting into that thing, and he says, you know, the zebra fought, and he bit his head off. I'm like, okay, the the lion beat, you know, if the lion defeats the zebra, or do you mean the zebra defeated the lion? It just got confusing right there. You know, he leaves a similar message for Batman earlier on, you know, all Mm -hmm. about zebras and stuff, and it's like, this is, other than, you know, just the, the thing about black and white and Blurring of the lines, maybe? I don't know. Somebody smarter than me. I I could look at it as like, don't, zebra is a herd animal. So I suppose you could put all the villains of Arkham into the herd. You could, you could, you know, if you want to stretch a point, you could probably do it that way and make Batman the the villain of the piece as the lion that's Mm -hmm. attacking. But they don't really make that connection. I'm making that connection just sort of like no prizing it. So, yeah, that wasn't very clear. Although they stuck with it. I mean, he he had it on the wall at the very beginning. He tells the kid the story, which I'm glad he can frown. This is a this is a Joker that doesn't have that mm-hmm. smile all the time. I'm I'm glad he can look vicious because ugh, that was creepy. That was creepy. Um, but then we have it there, and we have him in the zebra mask when he was at the carnival, and then like you were saying on on the card. So you you know they kept the theme going. It just didn't finish. Yeah, I mean it. Like I get that it comes down to it. You know the. The lion kills the zebra. The Joker dies at the end. Spoilers, everybody. No, you already heard the spoilers. You should have watched the film anyway. <laughs> but. Yeah, sometimes the Joker was a little hard to hear when he was making the bombs. Mm-hmm. I had to turn that way up. Yeah, that would kind of be one of my lows, too, is the the volume, especially like the speaking volume, is hard to hear on some of the characters. Uh, then you have to turn it way back down because of some of the sound effects. Yeah, I listened to it. I didn't do it on headphones. I did it on my iPad without the headphones because I thought, you know, that might be a better experience because sometimes uh, the balance in the earphones can be overwhelming on movies. So I did it that way. So I haven't listened to it with the headphones on. Um, But I did like the sound effects. I think they they were really good. They were well done, well mixed. The music, you know, know, had that, that theme throughout. I think they wrote their own music. Uh, the credit song mm-hmm. was definitely their own. Yeah, the uh, if I remember right, the credit song is also available on iTunes if anybody's looking for it. But yeah, they did not recycle any of the the uh, movie music like you'd think they would. They didn't borrow from like that '89 score like a lot of people would, like I would have because I'm lazy like that. Not that I'm making Batman what films, you? you know, but. <laughs> What did you think of the premise of this movie that this should Batman kill? Is he responsible for the Joker killing again? That whole thing. What is your opinion on that? Okay, first of all, my Batman doesn't kill with exceptions. It's the same as, you know, Superman doesn't kill. 
my Batman, my Superman, whatever, don't murder. Let's put it that way. Uh, as far as, like, the moral quandary, yeah, these people aren't the first ones to really look at it that way. Uh, I don't know. I like I like Batman to be an optimist. I like Batman to think that eventually, you know, some way, somehow, there is a path to redemption for everybody. They can eventually see the error of their ways and so forth. Is Batman responsible for the Joker's murders? No! The Joker has a mind of his own. He has he is responsible for his own actions. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's it sounds to me like as an because he had some years, you know, as an older Batman, because he does say over the years he's starting to wonder about his, some of his choices. He does say that at the end. Um, and would he kill his uh, parents' murderer? He's, that was one of the pivotal questions to, in his own mind. And he really can't seem to find the answer. His answer was to become Batman. Right. And I'm also one of those people that I like the idea that he, you know, Bruce is Batman because he wants to make a difference, not because he wants revenge on, you know, somebody that murdered his parents 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely felt bad about not being able to protect this child and that the, the decision came down to a child to make. Uh, question for you. The, the flat aspect that they gave this kid was that was a good idea because that made it even worse that he is so damaged now that he's just sort of flat. And when he says, why didn't you save my parents? It was just like, oh, my goodness gracious. That was. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was like, why is this kid not putting any emotion in it? And then it dawned on me. It's like, wait, he's broken. He has nothing right now. He he can't reference anything. There is no emotion left in him. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I was curious that this universe that they have now because of the different bat symbol, which I don't know, but yours kind of look like horns to me. I was like, is this, you know, supposed to be daredevil? What are we doing here? Um, but because they use that, I'm like, okay, this is its own universe. There is no mention of any kind of bat family, Alfred, um, taking this kid in nothing like that. And I kind of like that. I've always, um, Batman and Robin is fun, but sometimes just Batman is fun too. Uh, what did you think? It's definitely interesting because there's also no Commissioner Gordon. It's, you know, it's very much, mm-hmm. you know, you have the street level cops. Uh, Crispus Allen is basically the closest to a, a friend Batman has in this, and they don't interact directly. You know, everything is, well, I take it back until pretty much the end. But even then, it's it's not like, you know, meeting Jim Gordon on the roof and, well, you know, you solved another mm-hmm. one and blah, blah, blah. It's... No, there's no, in, none of in that. In fact, it's it's still one of those more like, well, yeah, we let you operate, but we're not exactly on good terms. And you know, one of the other things, the the details that these uh, bat was it bat sun? What was the bat in the sun? Yes. Uh, this mm-hmm. production company, I'll, I'll put it that way. Some of the details that they came up with, it's just amazing. The, whoever did their set dressing, um, but they have a decal on the door of the vehicle that says the Gotham PD symbol and everything. I thought, my goodness gracious, they put some serious effort into making this seem real. Oh, yeah. How did you like the the little combination lock on the bat cycle? <laughs> I thought that was great, actually. It seemed very modern because, you know, the phones were doing that at the time where you trace a certain mm-hmm. pattern. I like that, that it. That would just make a neat toy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you could put your little 12-inch Batman figure on there and punch in the the little combination. And if you don't do it right, the the bike doesn't go. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Or have something open with it, and your Batman thing is inside or something. Yeah, that was really neat. I like that. I did like the uh, the shooting of the motorcycle however they did that um to make it give it speed Mm -hmm. it looked like he was really going fast and um that he did throw those shurikens that seemed like that actually was feasible Uh, that was good we didn't do any kind of really trick on there other than making it look like it was going fast you know oh yeah and the guy yeah i i just uh, it was amazing this thing was really good um there's not a whole whole lot of standing and discussing one person to another um, Batman more or less is growling at people when he's interacting with people, except for when he's in his own head. Um, and the people themselves are not doing a lot of interacting. So we didn't have a whole lot of standing still and declaring, but 
for what was going on, there's always something moving in the shot. People in the background are moving or the camera's moving or we're, you know, everything had motion so that it felt like we were always moving forward. We weren't stuck static. People just headshot talking to each other. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, you know, this is going to completely fail the Bechtel test because, you know, there's barely any female characters. They certainly don't interact with each other. Yeah. That, yeah. When we start talking about Black Canary, (laughs) it becomes really obvious. Well, and. And it's the mother, of course, that's murdered first. It's a female uh, attendant at Arkham that gets uh, Joker Mm -hmm. gassed first. Marley talks about the Joker. Montoya talks about Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is. But then I sat there and thought, but isn't that his world, Mm -hmm. unfortunately? Because, you know, I'll just say it right here. Not everything has to pass the Bechtel test because not everything is designed the same way. Yeah, that's not the the point mm. of this. And I didn't think they did a bad job. I mean, you know, it's a stripper club, I'm assuming, because, you know, we didn't actually see mm-hmm. the <laughs> But you can just assume that's what's going on. And uh, I thought they did a really good job of playing that up without making it um, tacky, mm-hmm. I guess is a good word. Speaking of... Like I was saying, mm-hmm. the lighting effects worked. You know, they managed to make that work without getting over the top. Speaking of the club, we're going to, like, double back here. You know, they they uh, they have a line about a little man that runs a club. Did you think it would be the Penguin mm-hmm. instead of Scarface? Honestly, I had no idea who it was going to be. <laughs> so that was the first thing that <laughs> flipped through my mind. I'm like, oh, a little man. The Penguin, okay. No, they mean like a, yeah. you know, a little, like operate with your hand (laughs) that size and he gets him out of this like box did you see that part in behind him when he sort of takes him out it almost looked like a kind of mini coffin i was like what is he a vampire now that was Mm -hmm. just bizarre but it worked he was supposed to be you know tenderly carefully kept you know that 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 doll was not going to get injured in any way shape or form that that scene that guy was really good uh the complete bewilderment of him the begging you know, getting weepy over it. He went through a lot of different things very quickly, that actor. Okay, so... Uh, the only... Do you think somebody that doesn't know Batman That's what I was just show? about to ask you. Would it be appropriate for newer fans? Um, as far as just being relatively familiar with Batman as a character, I think they could watch it and enjoy it and get a lot out of it. But I think the film itself is really more designed for Batman fans, especially people that are fans mm-hmm. of both the you know the movies, the shows, the comics, all of it. I think they tried uh, to give some nods here and there, maybe give you some shorthand. Um, you do get the Bruce Wayne at the beginning, um, he, well, not the first scene, but at any rate, a little bit in there, and he's got the Ferrari, and he brings the, the roses mm-hmm. out, so you know, you know his parents are dead. That's his trauma, so at least they gave you that, so if you were somebody for some reason not aware when the child is taken at least you have an idea that that's something that drives batman they tried to do harley and joker in a picture together in this like heart-shaped thing on the wall so they tried but i don't think you would have caught that if a casual person's like and they're not going to know who zass is they're gonna have no clue about black canary um i think you could just enjoy it as an action movie but I'm not sure that you could get the the depth out of it that a regular Batman fan would be like, oh, this is neat. Oh, there's this over here. And, you know, and then the depth of the questioning is different, too, because we've seen him go through things. So to think of somebody who's a, a Batman that is more experienced and is now sort of questioning and then having to reassure himself in his own mind. Well, we as comic book people have seen a progression through that. I think we're going to read into that a little bit better than a new casual fan. So do you have any other highs, lows, or what does? <laughs> what does? <laughs> no, I think we did um, a pretty good job. Uh, I could go on and on and on about all the beautiful things they did as far as camera work <laughs> and lighting. Who did the lighting? Oh, my goodness gracious. It was gorgeous. Uh the, just the work that went into this and coordinating all these people when you've got a, you know, I worked as a coordinator for a time too in this industry. And let me tell you, trying to get that many people and equipment all organized at the same time is a feat. So I, I can't imagine that it only was $27,000. They must have had a lot of volunteers because <laughs> this thing was just really good. Well, I mean, I'm sure that was 
you know, budget for costumes and film equipment and all that because I really don't know if any, I don't know if anybody got compensated for their time. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. Um, I did look up, and I think the actor plays Batman again in something else. I'm not sure. Um, I just sort of scanned it this morning before we got on here, and you know, it was just like I think he is. And I think he's got the the look mm. and the voice down. Yeah, he's popped up in a, a few of the other stuff on Bat in the Sun, and and uh, you know he and the director Aaron they sat down and chatted recently on Aaron's uh, personal YouTube channel. So oh, I'm gonna have to go look that up because this thing was, this is not to my mind a fan film. This is a film. <laughs> oh yeah, thirty minutes and you get just as much. Uh, out of it as you would like a an hour and a half Batman movie. I do have one complaint. The commercials suddenly pop out in the middle of nowhere. There's no segment where they, you know, like <laughs> you're in this really intense scene and suddenly the ad pops up. And I was like, uh, what? Wait. Yeah, unfortunately, that's part of the problem with YouTube. Unless you've got, you know, YouTube premium or certain ways around it, you're going to get ads. Yeah, I thought if you were somebody who had backed this movie and you get to have a, one without commercials, that would be an advantage. Okay, so that about wraps it up for City of Scars. I'm so glad you could join me today, Laurel. Even if it was just by happenstance, you know, you know, I- ignoring me down here. I see how it is. But anyway, let, let all the listeners know where where else they can find you if they want to hear more. Well, I'm part of the Huntress podcast. Uh, We discuss Helena Wayne and Helena Bertinelli. Uh, It shares a feed with uh, Batgirl, Cassandra Kane. So it's uh, Batgirl Huntress podcast. You can look for that. Uh, Feathers and Foes is a Birds of Prey podcast. And those are all on the Right On Network. That's W-R-I-G-H-T, Right On Network. Uh, So that's where you can find me on that. And I am usually on Twitter. It's uh, Mountainflower1, but there's no vowels in the Mountainflower because it would have made it too long. So... (laughs) That's where you can find me on Twitter. All righty. Cool, cool, cool. So since you're probably going to be leaving here, you know, like everybody else does, mm-hmm. any chance you can take me along with you? I, I promise not to take up too much space in the car. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but I only brought this briefcase, and I really can't sneak you out of here in that. But in Batman fashion, I do have an escape plan for you, and it is so perfect. I don't know why they aren't doing this to escape from Arkham. You know all these electrical hookups you have down here for the recording equipment? You can just short that out, cross some wires. When somebody comes down here to check the breakers, you jump them in a escape. Hey, that, that sounds great. Okay, first I take this, and then, then I... Yeah, yeah, just... Wait until after I leave. I don't want to be considered an accomplice, you know, electrical flyer or something. Uh, uh, what? Wait. What? What? What's that, Laurel? Okay. You put this here and ah, uh, never mind. Uh, yeah, bye. Yeah. Bye. 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 Okay. That that should do it. And hooray! All right. Everything's out. Now to wait. You're kidding me. That was fast. Wait. A little too fast. Hmm. Wait. There's no breaker box down here. <sighs> okay, wait, no, it, it wouldn't be in the attic. The main crew isn't here. It must be in the garage. Hey, Gene! Gene! To confront the ultimate killers, I must construct the ultimate alias. Ah! Hey, who is that lady? I think she could fly. To combat the murderers who destroy my family, crush my own life on their way to consuming everything, I must become a greater, more fearsome destroyer. Ah! Ah, no, no! Hey, man, somebody killed this lady. To track down the animals who prey on the innocent, I must stalk them first. I am no longer their quarry. I am the Huntress. You can listen to The Huntress Podcast online at thehuntresspodcast.com, at Apple Podcasts. Go to Twitter at Huntress Podcast. And again, this shares a feed with the Batgirl Cassandra Kane Podcast. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking with me. This is, of course, the feedback portion of the show where I give all my thanks to you for being such a good supporter of the show. While I'm thinking of supporters, I want to give my thanks to the Crusaders Club members who help keep the lights on here at LBCHQ. 
I also want to give some thanks out to Omaha Bound for supporting the network. So, before I get into all the other thanks, I do want to make a quick mention that between the time of recording the original portion of the episode and now, Laurel and I have discovered that there is an HD version of City of Scars, and you can find it down in the show notes as well. So, last episode, which had me talking with Jonathan Schaefer-Hames about Pac-Man, got likes, shares, retweets, all the fun stuff from John is Watching Cartoons, Max Reads Comics, Green Lantern HG, Courtney Holland, Warlock Thanos Podcast, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, Choose Film Podcast, Maggie in the Rain Watching Cartoons, Chris Stados, Mark Hatherley, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, Dr. G, Nerdologist, Kim Ellis, Secret Wars and Beyond, and Warlord Worlds. If I missed anybody, please let me know. I am terrible at keeping up with all these, so, you know, sometimes people fall through the cracks, I'm afraid. So, we got a little bit of feedback on the last episode. Courtney Holland suggested that uh, John and I cure our Pac-Man fever with some ice baths. Jared Albrick, you know, the art sale artist, he says, I listened to this episode while out on a Goodwill run and found this. And he gave us a picture of a Ms. Pac-Man plug-and-play. So if for your next episode you could talk about Fabergé eggs, that would be awesome. Um, yeah... Fabergé eggs. Sure. Hey, hey, Fabergé eggs. Green Lantern HG says, Great episode, guys. Love the concept for both the movies. I'm totally with John, though, that if they had kept the name Pac-Man off the title, it would have been more fun. And I'm glad Clinton didn't eat any of those power pellets. He might have gotten out of the basement. Oh, HG... Then H.G. and John went back and forth with a bit about the uh, Pac-Man pasta back in the day. You know, that canned food that apparently tasted like batteries, according to (laughs) Green Lantern H.G. I honestly do not remember, other than it was just weird-shaped SpaghettiOs and meatballs, to the best of my remembrance. But, you know, that's what happens decades down the line so that's pretty much it thank you so much for sticking with me folks thanks for supporting the show the network all that fun stuff so if anybody wants to get me out of this basement you know but anyway until next time that's pretty much it here and i'll see you for another fan film friday Today you can take your telephone, your 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 cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent. To do that.